Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein, I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a natural redhead, and I love films. As Henry James once said, three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind, and the third is to be kind, and the fourth is, wherever possible, to use practical effects. Hmm, hot take, Mr. James. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Jamila Jamil, Barry Jenkins, Sharon Stone, Mark Frost, and even Black Dambles. But this week, it's the brilliant, brilliant, brilliant actor, Mr. James Lance. You can watch all of Ted Lasso seasons one to three complete now on Apple TV+. You can also watch all of season one of Shrinking on Apple TV+. We hope you enjoyed the big finale. Oh boy. Watch it, love it. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you'll get an extra 20 minutes of lovely chat with James. He tells me a secret. We talk about beginnings and endings. You also get the whole episode uncut ad-free and as a video. Check it out at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So James Lance. James Lance plays the great Trent Krim on Ted Lasso. He is a wonderful man. He's in every important comedy in Britain in the last 20 more years. Everything you love, basically James Lance is in it. He's an amazing actor, amazing man. I had the absolute pleasure of working with him on Ted Lasso and I had the joy of recording this podcast over Zoom with him. It's a really lovely time. And I think you're going to love it. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 250 of Films to be Buried with. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right. They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. 
Hello, my neighbour Maureen. What's this I hear about you getting a promotion at the office? Didn't you just get promoted last month? It's all thanks to Canva. I've been nailing every meeting with AI-powered Canva presentations. Isn't that Canva's AI slide generator where you just describe your presentation in a few words and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds? That's right. And to top it off, I use Magic Write, Canva's AI text generator, to perfect my points. Sounds brilliant, Maureen. No more copying and pasting from other programs. No more app switching. Can Canva Docs with Magic Write generate any text you want for work? Yes. Sales proposals, marketing plans? Yeah. Meeting agendas, ratings of all 12 Muppet movies using the extensive point system that I developed at age 12. Anyone can save time with Canva's AI-powered tools. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour, Maureen. Yeah, thank you. and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by a stage actor, a screen actor, a movie actor, a person who is in every single greatest British comedy of the last generation. If you think of a comedy and you think, oh, that's, well, that's one of the best TV shows ever. Don't worry, he's in it. He's an Emmy nominee. He's a lover. He's a spiritual man. He's a beautiful soul and a wonderful actor and a fucking great head of hair and a, a handsome fellow and a beauty. But let's not be shallow. He's also a brain and a personality. And here he is. I can't believe he's here with all that talent. Please welcome to the show. It's Mr. James Lance. Wow. <laughs> Hello. Thank you very much. You sound exactly like my inner voice. I was saying all those things earlier. <laughs> Hello, Jimmy. How are you? Nice to see you. Oh, hello, lovely man. It's nice to see you too. Yeah, I'm all right. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. I've got so many things to say to you. Some some of them, <laughs> I don't know if I've said to you publicly, so let's say them. One is, if people are watching season three of Ted Lasso, they'll be aware how fucking great Jimmy Lance is in it. And how, I remember we talked about it, and I, I think even we made a joke at some point. <laughs> Because of the storyline in season three, you are in a lot of scenes where you don't have a line. You're just there observing. Mm -hmm. And it is a testament to you as an actor and as a man that you are fully present in every scene and really matter in every scene. And it's not, at no point does it feel like, yeah, Jimmy's just there in the background. Like as in you are absolutely a character involved in the scene, engaged with the scene. And the fact that you never were like, oh, fuck, I've got to come in and just not say anything again. I was like, especially when you're an Emmy nominee and a superstar and one of the all-time greats, I was like, what a man. What an actor, what a man. Great man. And it really pays off. You're fantastic in this season. And I think it surprises people if you actually go, you know, I didn't have any lines in that scene because I don't think you'd think about it because you're so part of it. Mm. You know what I mean? Anyway, it's, it's an excellent work. Oh, thanks, man. I think the... Um... The, my secret there is that I actually quite like not, not having any words. <laughs> Tell me more. I do. I like it. I like just, I like just listening and seeing what happens, uh, you know, in the, in the moment. With that, it, there's not that much pressure. You just get to sort of um, emphasise and, 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 you know, just kind of underline certain moments in it, which I really enjoy. I love that. Tell the listeners that, because you told me something once if you don't mind sharing it, mm. that I think is kind of extraordinary, is you only read the pilot and you, in the same way, that sounds similar, in the way that I talk about, you know, feeling like I was Roy and it was like a calling, it was very, mm. sort of felt very strong. You felt the same way about Trent Krim, I believe. And in the pilot, it ain't a big part, you know. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a significant part, but it's not big. And you had only read the pilot and you felt this very special, can you... Tell us about that, please. <laughs> I can, with pleasure. Uh, yeah, I woke up one night and um, it was in the middle of the night and uh, there was an email from my manager and it said, this script came in, it said Ted Lasso. And I knew straight away, I thought that there, there was an energy to it. I was quite excited to read it. And he said, I think there could be a role in this view, maybe the role of Higgins. And I read it. Do you know that? Mm. And, and, and I read it and I thought, mm. I'm not going to get Higgins. But I saw this name, Trent Krim. 
double M. And I thought, who is Trent Krim? I just wanted to know. And I read that little scene and I and I wrote back to my manager and said, hey, I won't get Higgins, but let them know I'd love to play Trent Krim. I'm sure it's just going to be a day play, um, but I'd love to do it. And he was like, okay, sure. Anyway, long story short, six months later, the audition comes in and I was actually going to wow. go and do a play, and uh, which I was quite excited to do. And I was talking to my agent about it and I, and I said, I'd like to do this drink. And she said, yeah, it should be what, you know, you should do it. And I was like, I think it's only one episode. But um, she's like, well, you know, who knows? Anyway, I went, I auditioned, I got offered the role and then it's, it's turned into, you know, what, what it is now, oh, which yeah. is just an amazing ride, as you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And did you, out of curiosity, mm. I mean, you're absolutely perfect for Trekker and stuff. Why were you like, I wouldn't, I'm not Higgins, or I wouldn't get Higgins. What What was it? It was. You just get a feeling, don't you? You just kind of know. I don't. You just sort of have a. Mm. You You just. I guess it's a connection or something. There was something. I found something funny about the name Trent Krim. It just made me laugh. It obviously yeah. it sounded quite Dickensian, but I like the idea of this man announcing himself. You know, and then yeah. following up with the Independent. It just made me chuckle, and um, and that yeah. that was enough for me, really. If I may say, if I may out you in this way, you're a very spiritual man and you, you, you are often on set with a book and it's often a book about spirituality and, and you carry around blessed water. <laughs> and I wonder if you have always been this way. Is this something you've been exploring recently? The fact that you feel energy and the scripts and all these things I think are, are right. But is this something you've developed over time or you're always this way? Gosh, I, I, I mean, I think we're all spiritual beings and I guess the older I've become, the more I'm aware of my, how I feel about things. And so I, and now I kind of trust that much more than I used to. I used to sort of really not know how I feel about things, but I do trust my intuition. Um, so I guess that's kind of my, my general uh, compass is just how do I feel about something? And and that's how I sort of, that's how I, I guess that's how I roll. And how, how often are you like muddy about like, I think, I think maybe this, or is it always very clear? No, it's not always very clear. But what I do know is that the right answer for me will drop in often at the very last uh, second. Mm. So I try to just sit back and hope that that will happen. And it, it tends to, it tends to. I mean, something's going to happen, isn't it? You know, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, something, something always going to happen. I remember this really lovely little story about the Beatles when they were on tour and they were driving and apparently all four of them were in the car and they, um, and they crashed into a ditch and they were right stuck in this ditch and they didn't quite know what to do. Nobody moved. And then one of them just went, something will happen. <laughs> and I think I've, I've adopted that as my mantra. <laughs> that That's great. Yeah. Can I ask you one more thing? You told me something once, nearly made me cry, about a decision you'd made in your life about your career and stuff and what you wanted, and then Ted Lasso happened. Can you tell that story, or is that private? Yeah, of course. Well, so, you know, I've been I've been an actor since I was 10 years old, so I've been an actor for 39 years now, which is a long time. And I've had many periods of being out of work, and at one point I thought to myself, I've got to go to Hollywood and see if I can make it. So I put everything I had into the pot, went to, went to Hollywood, lived just above Hollywood, actually, lived there for four months, and I didn't land anything. I got absolutely nothing. It was the loneliest time of my life. My wife used to fly in and out sometimes and see me and feel sorry for me and then leave again. And um, <laughs> in fact, the only thing that really happened to me out there was lots of people said they love my hair. And... Um, uh, it's great. Thanks, man. And uh, and then what happened was I found myself, I was just always in bookshops and like going to like museums and eating in uh, Musso and Frank's and like really old places. And I suddenly realised that I'd been chasing this childhood dream to go and live in Hollywood. And, and it wasn't relevant to me anymore. And I wasn't networking. I wasn't going to any parties. I've just, I've never been like that here. So... Um, I don't know why I thought I'd be like that there at the age of four. I think it was 42 or something. It wasn't that long ago. Anyway, I got a play and I was glad for that. And it was back in London at the Bush Theatre. And I came back and I did this play. And I thought, I quite like old stuff. And I like the theatre. And I just want to make great work. Of which I was, 
hoping to land in, in America. I mean, I just wanted to do great work out there as well, but it didn't happen. And then um, this, yeah, something wonderful was happening when I was doing this play and I kind of got into the groove. I let everything go. I let let my visa go, everything, all the ideas of going to Hollywood. Just I just thought, I'm just going to do some good work, at, you know, in whatever capacity here. And then I remember one night thinking to myself, this is when I was rehearsing that play, thinking to myself, something has also got to drastically change in my life. I need a big shift. And then a couple of weeks later, my wife said, well, I watched her find out the result of her um, pregnancy test. And she was like, <gasps> and I was like, <gasps> and that, that was the big, that was the big shift. Wow. And we became parents. And then this angel arrived and just not just rearranged the furniture, just rearranged my whole makeup, really. And um, mm. and at that time, I, I'd finished the play then when he'd arrived and I was out of work and again. <laughs> and uh, it's, the theme, it's the theme of my career. And I was giving myself a bit of a hard time um, about being out of work. My wife was working loads. But then I, I realised, I did this thing where I found out what my top values were in life. And I found out that my top value was to be a present father, a, a present loving father. And actually, I was 100% being that because Katie was working away a, 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 a mm. lot. So I would go with them and be, you know, Mr. Mum thing um, with all the bits and the bobs and, uh, you know, the bottles and bits. And, and it was just the most uh, kind of important piece of my life. And then I, the other two things, values I had were... Um, personal transformation which was occurring at that time and then the third piece was inspirational comedy because I love comedy I always have done and uh, around that time I got Trent Krim and lo and behold that inspirational comedy is um, you know I was on that ride so yeah it all sort of came together love it I love it and and the thing is I forgot to tell you something and I just remembered it (laughs) as you're telling that beautiful story. <laughs> and it seems a shame, but I also feel like you did it, you know, because, and it's lucky you did, because um, the thing I forgot to tell you is, I can't tell you, you've died. You're dead. <laughs> dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> again? <laughs> again? <laughs> yeah, again, yeah. Uh, how did you die this time? <clears throat> well, as you know, I've died. I've had many lives, <laughs> Brett. So yeah, fuck it, I could tell. Died many times for every uh, lock of hair. Yeah, that's a life. None of them have ended well. So is it, <laughs> honestly? So is this? Um, I, I, do I know I've died? Do I know I'm about to die? You do now. I just told yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. Great. All right. Well, if I have a choice at how it's gonna how it, how it's gonna happen. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, you can okay. use it. All right, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna wake up on this day. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make love with my wife. That's gonna happen. Hello, hello, cheeky. Three three minutes later, <laughs> it's breakfast. <laughs> I'm gonna go for fully cooked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna go for like something like cacio e pepe for for, the, for my final breakfast. So I'm gonna go. I like a bit of hot cheese, and um, okay. that's not a normal thing. But this is the the final day, and then um, yeah. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna put a group text out to all my mates and say, do yourselves a favour, go down the betting shop and put everything on me dying tonight. Right. Then and then delete this text. <laughs> delete this text. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then my wife's gonna drive us. I don't know why I feel like being driven today. I normally like to drive. She's gonna drive us to Glastonbury. The festival's yeah. gonna be on. We're gonna get right, right down the front. And I'm going to watch all yeah. these incredible bands, and all my mates are going to be there. And we get it's because yeah. Sly and the Family Stone is going to be on, you know, Fred wow. again, Mid Lake. I'm going to go. The mighty Nick Cave is going to headline, wow. and then we're all going to go up to the Stone Circle. I'm going to say to everyone, "Hey, if I died tonight, I'd be a happy man." And then I'm going to nip up the hill, have a cup of tea and a flapjack, and then I'm just going to nod off. Mm. Even your death makes me cry. Uh, I, I assume. Given, you know, I'm a practical man here. It's a wonderful day you've had. And then you say you nod off. So I'm assuming you've overdosed on heroin. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I didn't didn't mention the the smack intake. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's a wonderful way to go. Yeah, I think so. A wonderful way to go. I think so. OD'd on heroin at the top of fucking Stonehenge or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) It's not bad. Mid flapjack. (laughs) Mm, It's not bad. Carbs and heroin did you in, in the end. (laughs) 
lovely day. Fair enough. Do you worry about death, Jimmy Lance? The only time I'm most worried about it is this week, thinking I have to think about it for this podcast, to be honest. Mm. Because since, be- <laughs> since becoming... <laughs> that's the thanks for that. <laughs> I think I'd be a lot more uh, humorous about it if uh, if I if I didn't have a, a if I didn't have a little boy. It was that element of it. I've already in my, I didn't mm. tell you this bit, but I'd already made a video telling him everything I think he might need to know in life, and I've left oh, that on wow. the side. But I thought I don't. I couldn't quite. I, 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 I had to I had to take it a bit seriously. There's something about not seeing him again really uh, it did mm. it did me in a bit. So I don't really want to die. Because I'm okay. uh, much. <laughs> Not for a while. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Not for a bit. Okay. How old do you want to be? You get to choose here, so... Oh, well... I mean, bear in mind, Sly and the Family Stone still have to be alive. I know. For this to, I know. to work out. But they could be those um, those holograms, like ABBA, uh, couldn't they? We yeah, could maybe do that. It could be Sly and Family Stone, yeah. A gram. Oh, nice. It'll be fine, yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe, oh, I don't know. Am I in my 90s? Maybe, maybe in my 90s. Maybe I'm 100. Maybe I'm 100. 100? Yeah, I'll go 100. Do you think you get a card from the king when he's at 100? Uh, he's not, he'll be dead by then, won't he? Oh, I guess it'll be William. Wow, wow. I didn't know you, you were going to kill the king. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a record. Wow, okay. Quite a twist. Oh, yeah, I didn't mention that, but oh, it was a big day. Oh, he'll be, he'll be dead by then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what do you think happens when you die? Well, there is a theory that that's when we wake up, and I quite like that idea. Oh, I, yeah. I do think we have... I genuinely do think I've been here many times, and I think the, ne- yeah. I think the next bit's going to be great. I think it's going to be quite good. Is the bit where you wake up, you're in the place where all consciousness comes from and you remember all your past lives yeah. and you're... Yeah, I reckon. Having fun and you're, and you're like a floaty spirit. Definitely. Having fun. Absolutely. I think, I think that's when it all comes together. So I think the soul that I am will be fully, fully operational at that point and it will all come together quite nicely. <laughs> hmm. Do you think... I've been thinking... It, I'm sure I've vaguely discussed this on this podcast before, so forgive me. But I think I 100% believe in reincarnation in many lives and stuff. The thing I find interesting is it's quite inefficient because you have a life, you learn these skills, you you build mm. uh, ideas, morals, ethics, whatever. Then you die. Then you come back with no memory yeah. of the previous life. So it's quite an inefficient way of growing and building is that every time you, you have to start again, you don't seem to necessarily fully bring back the things you did. But then my new theory is it's like the human body is kind of, the technology isn't advanced enough to hold the information that is put into it when it's born. So, so you do take across all the things from your past lives, but the brain human body is like, it's like an old operating system and it, and it can't quite process all this stuff. And that's why people have therapy and, you know, yeah. life to kind of, uh, here's the, the things that were in you that we gave you at the beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah, I reckon. I think, I think that sounds about right. There is a little bit of a blip there. But I think on some level, there's a sort of within our vibration, that is where that, that it's a different type of memory that we keep. It's not the one in here, mm. but there's a sort of a, there's, a, there's an energetic memory that I think we, we carry. That's what I reckon. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> love it well good news you've woken up and it's heaven rocking and they love you there it's filled with your favourite thing what's your favourite thing my favourite thing is uh, for some <laughs> I don't know why I don't know why I think this but I'd love it if Prince was there and he and he was dressed all in purple and he was like yeah you know a bit like just really pleased to see me and he says hey man come, yeah. come with me and just sort of opens up this purple Double, I can imagine they're double mm-hmm. doors. And then we go into this room, but I don't know what happens after that. Oh, mate, let me tell you, that happens. He goes, hey, mate, come with me. He's dressed in purple. He opens up the double doors. And inside is 10 million mini princes. Nice. <laughs> all in purple. <laughs> and they've all got guitars and they're playing Purple Rain. <laughs> and any song you like as you move amongst them. And they're like, hey, man, all of them say, hey, man, as you walk through them. Mm. They're absolutely delighted to see you. 
and their music's playing all the time, but they stop the music briefly just to say, hey, we're fans. Can we talk about your life through film? And you're like, yeah. Yes, Prince. Okay, let's do it. Yes, Prince. Prince. Yes, Prince. <laughs> yes, my Prince. <laughs> yes, Prince. And the first thing Prince princes ask you is, what's the first film you remember seeing, Jimmy Lance? Well, Prince, independent. the first film that I remember seeing is Amadeus. Mm, what an opening gambit. It's one of the all-time greats. That was your first film. That is my first film I remember seeing. Explain yourself. Well, How? my mum took me to the cinema. I was a little bit too young. I think I was around, I think it was a PG, but I was around 10 or 11. And she slightly snuck me into the cinema in Yeovil, of all places. And... Uh, I didn't know what we were going to see and it started and my whole world changed completely. Just from the opening frame, I was one million percent absorbed in this film. And, mm. uh, and, I, and I kind of related completely to, <laughs> not the genius, may I point out, of, uh, of Mozart, uh-huh. but the, um, the kid-like uh, giddy nature of, um, of that performance by Tom Hulse. It, it's just like a big uh, reckless kid, and it and it, he was kind of mm. everything that I wanted to be. And then there, of course, there was Salieri with you know that outrageously cunning performance by F. Murray Abraham, and I and I didn't know which one I wanted to be more. I I I, I just thought I just want to be able to do what F. Murray Abraham's doing, but look at Tom Holtz, just you know, oh, yeah. yeah, running around and laughing and just. Being um, being outrageous, and 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 then and and then just the whole plot, the, the the sumptuousness of the of the production, the music, it blew my tiny mind. And I knew, mm. I knew before that I wanted to be an actor, but that absolutely sealed the deal. Wow! And you'd never been to cinema before that, or this is the first time you remember? That's the first movie I went to see at the cinema. <laughs> wow! Yeah. That's very, that's late. Yeah. Are you an, are you an only child? <laughs> <laughs> I'm only asking as in because you just said you went with your, were there others? I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> are, you, are you an only child? It's like, ah, oh, it all makes sense. Yeah. Ala- no, no. Alas, 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 Princes and Goldstein, I am an only child. <laughs> I am, yeah. Oh. Never wanted to be an only child. Very much wanted um, brothers and sisters. You're a lovely man for an only child. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> With all love in the world, is there a reason you weren't ever at the cinema before, 10 or 11? I think it's because my mum and dad were evil. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> it was the first time they let you out of the house? What happened there? I don't know why. I mean, I've actually got no memory of seeing any kids movie at the cinema before then. I was a big TV fan. We watched lots of, I watched loads Good. of that TV. But, <laughs> of that there TV. But, um, but movies wise, <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't remember. And then, and then a whole slew of movies came in, you know. Okay. You know, just, well, I made up for it. But okay. yeah. Maybe that's why you're... Um, Weird. Such a... <laughs> no, I was going to say such a lovely spiritual man. Maybe it's all these films that ruined me. Maybe maybe the best thing was not seeing any films for 10 years. Oh my God. I don't know. Right, I'm retiring the podcast. <laughs> Tell me this. Uh, what's the film that scared you the most? Do you like being scared? Are you easily scared? I'm very easily scared. I do not enjoy it at all. And when my friend, the lovely Simon Hedges, said to me, you've got to see this film, it's really beautiful, it's stunning, it's a masterpiece. I was like, great, okay, I'll, I'll watch it. And uh, I was away filming, I remember I was in a hotel room in Luton and I watched Midsummer. Jesus. On my own. Oh, wow. And I, I literally couldn't get through it, so I had to watch, and then I couldn't not see the the rest of it. So yeah. the second night I watched the second half of that film again on my own in a hotel room in Luton. And it terrified me. I had the worst uh, nightmares mm. ever. That film, I mean, I think it's a complete and utter masterpiece, but equally yeah. it is so psychologically disturbing and horrific. But the juxtaposition of the beauty of it is what yeah. absolutely destroyed me. And I never want to see it again. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's so much about that film. And one thing about it is it does the thing 
the challenge, like the sort of horror filmmaker's challenge of, can you make a really scary film set in broad daylight? Nailed it. Yes, yes, you yeah, can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely can, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very disturbing film. So disturbing. I mean, all, all of it, just so disturbing. Even even I remember there's this bit when when she sort of says, Florence Pugh's character says, what time is it? And then he says, 9pm. And she says, it can't be 9pm. It's The sky's blue. It says, the sky's always blue here and it's 9pm. And I was just those weird little like, eee, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it when she says she doesn't want to do acid and then she does acid. I'm like, no. you never do acid when you don't want to do acid. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, really. Yeah, great film. Mm. Have you seen his new one, Bo is Afraid? Not yet, no. <laughs> you might. I wonder if you'll like it. It's not so scary. It's more of a comedy. It's very, very weird comedy. Well, I welcome that. I love it's... Joaquin Phoenix, but I did see his other one before, like The Hereditary, and that, that might be the, uh, yeah. Yeah, the other most scary film I've ever seen. I mean, it... Yeah, that's, mm. that's one of my scariest films. Mm. That ruined me for a week, that one. Mm. What's the film that made you cry the most? I imagine you're a crier. Are you? I'm a huge crier. And um, so I was in Dublin about, I don't know, a year or so ago. And I was uh, away filming and I was walking through the streets of Dublin and I came uh, across this lovely looking building. I thought, what's in there? Went in and it was a cinema. And I thought, what's on? And it's the Summer of Soul. And uh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, what time's that on? It was like five past three. And I looked at my watch. It was three o'clock. So I bought myself yeah. a coffee and a flapjack and went into the cinema. There was, a, there was a, oh god, your death, yeah. your last death. Meal. I died again, yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and there was only one other person in this cinema, and I sat right in the centre and I watched this movie. And there was just this one moment in it that it was actually David Ruffin uh, singing "My Girl," and and just the way that he sang it, just I kind of imploded with tears, and then I did not stop crying. For the entire film, I was, and it was tears of absolute joy that this that this mm. amazing piece of um, history had been uh, unearthed and put where it should be, but also the tragedy that it had been, you know, stuck in a basement mm. for forty years, and what would it have been like if this had been out there? Especially when Woodstock was on at, at, at one of those weekends as well during the Harlem Culture Festival, and I, and it just everything came together for me: the festival element, the community. The, the oppression, the, but then the kind of the, the explosive talent, oh, it just destroyed me. That film destroyed me. <laughs> but there were tears of joy. It's a really, really wonderful film. Yeah, yeah. It's magic, that one. That's a magic film. It's a magic film, isn't it? It's really magic. Mm. Yeah. It really is. And it's fucking wild that it was, like, hidden. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Amazing. Good choice. Thanks, man. Yeah, well done. What's the film that you love it's not critically acclaimed people don't really like it but you stand by it forever over the top <laughs> yes bruv that hasn't i don't think that's ever been on here <laughs> fucking sylvester stallone arm wrestling come on in a truck truck driving arm wrestling sylvester stallone at the height of his 80s-ness <laughs> yes I love Great show. love that movie, Brett. Love that movie. I really <laughs> love that movie. I love the style. I like he wears like this baseball cap, this t-shirt, sort of braces. He's he's fresh off of he, I know he was he didn't he did Cobra before that, so he's he's in peak form. But the thing is, mm. I love Sylvester Stallone and I he's so vulnerable as well as being this, you know, action hero. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's a really good shout. Yes, he is very vulnerable. He's like super vulnerable, isn't he? Like Rocky yeah. or even First Blood. And and there's always this, you know, this big, it's just got this, I think he's got this big old heart. And um, he it, yeah. he kind of destroyed me as a kid. I, I just loved him. <laughs> I still do. That's so interesting. I don't think it's ever been articulated to me. I think you're, he is so vulnerable. I think, is it? Is it just how he talks? Is it the fact that he... There's something very, very soft about him. And you're right. And he's so hard, but he's also... Yeah. So vulnerable. Yeah, you sort of want to look after him as well. You're like, you all right, Punchy? (laughs) You all right? Did you just call him Punchy? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and sometimes he's like, shooty. (laughs) 
Sometimes he's shooting, sometimes he's punching. <laughs> sometimes he's... But he's always vulnerable. Wrestling. Sometimes he's army. <laughs> 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 That's a really interesting. He is. He's, he's like, there's something lost about him, isn't there? Yeah. And he is tough and he could kill you, but you feel like he'd cry while he did it. <laughs> and feel really bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, he was, you know, he was a big part of my childhood, Sylvester Stallone. I just loved all of all of his all of his films. <laughs> I really did, yeah. And that one in particular. Uh what about a film that you used to love but you've watched recently and you've thought, I don't like this anymore? Probably because you've changed, not the film. The Living Daylights. Go on. Timothy Dalton's first James Bond, The Living Daylight. The Living Daylight. Cello on it, cello on it, on the snow. <laughs> cello on the snow, chucks it over a barrier, catches it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He does. On a sled. He does do that. And I remember loving that when he did that at the time. I thought, wow, he's so cool. <laughs> but now I just think James Bond's a bit of a knob. I'm not, mm. I'm not really a fan i'm just not a fan of him mm. and that movie in particular i just it's but then when i start going through i just think i've gone right off james bond if i'm honest with you right <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny it's a really funny thing to say to him sorry james bond i've actually gone right off you said <laughs> right off <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think your morals are appalling, actually, if you're asking. You're a smug serial killer. <laughs> Nothing more. You're clearly a misogynist. <laughs> uh, you use women, then you kill them. You wreck that car. And we're supposed to think... <laughs> Do you know how much that cello's worth, son? <laughs> you you callously chuck that cello. You're lucky you caught it, son. <laughs> She's with a philharmonic of some kind. <laughs> I mean, Disgusting. how many people are you killed now, eh? <laughs> you knob. <laughs> Go on. You're a knob. Uh, I don't think, I, you know, yeah, I hear you. That's fair. I don't know why you're taking it out in the living daylights. Is that because that was special to you, that one? I remember being, a, your age well, yeah, it's true. Because I was, that, the funny thing about thinking about these films is I realised that the sort of the 80s is, was, was, was when I was most affected by movies, really. You know, mm-hmm. and when I was, you know, from the age of 10, from that great opening into Amadeus, then I just just went crazy on it, on, on movies. And uh, I remember being so excited about The Living Daylights coming out because there was this new Bond, you know. And um, I thought he was great. I thought he was great at the time. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think I could really sit through it now. Okay, I'm sorry. <sighs> What's the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is any good but the experience you had seeing the film will always make it special and meaningful to you, Mr. Jimmy Lance, sir. Police Academy. <laughs> it's Police Academy. <laughs> so, Of course it's Police Academy. Tell me everything. So my mum and dad divorced when I was very young, and so I would go and stay with my, my um, dad at weekends. And uh, he would let me watch things I probably wasn't really shouldn't have been watching, you know, I was sort of 15s and 18-year-olds and things. But we used to watch movies together. And I remember seeing Police Academy with my dad <laughs> and thinking it was the funniest thing I had ever seen. And I just adored Steve Gutenberg as Mahoney. Yes. I thought he, I, st- I think he's just brilliant. I mean, so brilliant Diner. I mean, so brilliant, Steve Gutenberg. But he, I, I, I sort of fell a bit in love with Mahoney. But the bit where, in particular, this is why this is a special film for me, and I still laugh thinking about it, is the bit when um, Commandant Lassard comes in to do a speech behind that lectern that uh, Mahoney is, is un- hiding inside, along with a prostitute in there. And Commandant Lassard starts his speech and uh you just hear his fly go and the look that george gaines who plays lassard gives (laughs) is just the most brilliant bit of physical comedy and then he goes into the speech and it you know i just it's the bit where he says and here we have some slides (laughs) 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 and i didn't really understand what was going on because i was quite young but i did know kind of what was going on and it was back in the day with you know vhs recorders videos uh, video players and uh 
And and so me and my dad just rewound the whole sequence. We just rewound the whole sequence. And I, I think we rewound it about 50 times. And the more we watched it together, the more we roared with laughter. Just everything about it. And then the button on the end of that scene when Lassard then walks off and he looks back and he's like, his whole world's changed. He looks back and then Mahoney pops his head out and he looks at him and he says, good speech. <laughs> <laughs> So sweet. Did you? How old's your dad in that story? <laughs> he, he old enough to know better. So my dad yeah. was fifty five when I was born. I had an old dad. So um, wow. yeah, and so I was probably what was police gonna was what that must be about eighty four, eighty five, something like that. It was on video. Yeah. So what would I have been twelve, maybe eight, something like that, eighty six. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Very sweet story. I really like a 65-year-old man crying, laughing and rewinding <laughs> as well. <laughs> we, and it was kind of the joys oh, nice. of, of video players as well, you know, because that was, yeah, that was yeah. new. The whole, it all sort of, you know, came together. What's the film that you most related to? Okay, it's Dirty Harry. <laughs> <laughs> the Zodiac Killer? Which one? Who are you related to? Dirty Harry? Yeah, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Yeah, I, okay. I thought... Say no more. <laughs> Should we just move on, yeah? <laughs> I mean, that was obvious. Well, for the listener, I get it, but for the listener. <laughs> uh, that was one of those movies I saw that I shouldn't have seen because I was a bit too young, and that, was, again, was on video. My stepmom works in a video um, store, so I used to watch all these films. And I don't know what it was. I just thought I was Clint Eastwood. I literally just thought I was Clint Eastwood. I mean, completely and utterly. Uh, to the point where I remember I'd seen... Is it every which way but loose or every which way you can? One of those. And I remember I was sitting at the table with my dad and my stepmom. And my dad said something that was a bit, I don't know, I can't remember what it was he said now. He said something, and but it was it was like a little bit odd. And I just looked at my stepmom and went something like, I said, uh, he's not too tightly wrapped, right? And they were like, what? And I got really told off uh, for being really cheeky. But I just thought it was sort of the norm because I thought I was Clint Eastwood. I really thought I was Clint Eastwood. Oh, man. That hurts my heart. <laughs> he's too tightly wrapped. How old were you when you he's, he's not too tightly wrapped was the line. I remember saying, oh, he's not too tightly wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was, again, I was very young, very young. <laughs> I wouldn't have told you off. I'd have been like, the fuck's happened here? Yeah, I got told off. What's? Yeah, yeah. And they told me off. What's going on? <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> what is the sexiest film? And is it Police Academy? <laughs> it's not. But I did lose my virginity watching a movie. Tell us everything. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, that's literally that's it. I, uh, I one one day <laughs> one day after school, I went to this girl's house. I was fifteen. I, I, I was very very ready for the occasion, certainly mentally. Right. Uh, and uh, and we we were sitting on the couch and and we, we put Dirty Dancing on. Wow. Yeah. That is an excellent movie to have sex to. It was beautiful. Well, yeah, it was quite something. And it was when it was the point when just after they'd been carrying those watermelons, Jennifer Grace carrying those watermelons, mm. which somehow felt slightly relevant for me as well at the time. But <laughs> and they went into this club and everyone was dancing in the sexiest way I'd ever seen in my young yeah. 15-year-old mind. I mean, they're basically sort of simulating sex and mm. and and me and this girl. And we were in our school uniform, and not just the shared school uniform. And uh, and and we got we got it on, we got it on. Wow! And it was it was it was. I mean, you know, I lost my virginity. I mean, that was it. It was for me. That was incredible. And it and it went well. Uh, it was went quickly. Went very quickly. <laughs> but quickly, but well, not not. You know, it was a successful, happy time. Well, I can't speak for her, but I can say for me, it was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's so nice so rare so rare once in a lifetime once in a lifetime and also to get it right dirty dancing perfect perfect choice that happened there's only maybe five minutes of that film you don't want to be having sex to. <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's just like a specific couple of scenes where you don't want to be mid-sex no that was that was you know I mean, when it, yeah no that was that was a you, sex you timed it right yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> You did it long enough for the dancing in the club, which is about 
a minute. Yeah, about a minute. No, honestly, that was it. That was it. I don't. I haven't Good seen bad. the rest of the movie. <laughs> I, I need to see the end. <laughs> oh, the end's great. <laughs> I didn't care. There's a bit at the end of Dirty Dancing. I watched it recently. Yeah, where Patrick Swayze comes back. He's left, and he comes back, and he interrupts the sort of final dinner dance thing, and he says he does a speech like on stage. People, some people don't care about people like me, but blah, 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 and he does this speech. Yeah. And the last time I watched it, I was like, it's great, this speech. But the reality is, most of the people in the room, I've no idea who this guy is. <laughs> or what, like, as in, he's a member of staff that most people won't have seen or met. Right. <laughs> and, and he sort of does this powerful speech. But I think the reality is, most of that audience would have been like, who the fuck is this? What's happening? Couldn't give a monkey. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but it's great. And then he does a dance, and I think they're probably a one over by that point. They're like, well, I don't know what his speech was about, but I'm loving this dance. The kid can move. He had everything, didn't he? <laughs> he had everything, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. He was amazing. Mm. Hang on. Wait a second. You've gone back to this guy's house. You've watched Dirty Dance. You've had sex mm. on the sofa. Is there anyone else in the house? No. Do you have to suddenly no. get dressed? No. You've got an empty house. No, no. You're clear. No, we, an empty house. I, uh, I went and got my... Planned this in advance? That All agreed? That we were going to read in advance. Yeah, that was yeah. that was definitely on the cards. We Great. thought it might happen. Well, I hoped it would happen, and then it did happen. Yeah. And then and then it was all over really quickly. And uh, and I want I I wanted to go again because it was so great. But she that was it. We were done. That was that was it. Right. Yeah. Last time you ever did with her. That was the other one. The, the one and only time. Yeah. One and done. When you when you do it, listen. That probably means you did it so well. <laughs> Because it was so like great. Yeah. Never... No, but she had a boyfriend. Yeah, she had... never going to be bad. Yeah, she had a boyfriend. She had a boyfriend. Yeah. And he was like a... My man. He was like, he was like an older boy. You know, he was a boy that wasn't at school. So he was like, you know... You had sex with a bigger boy's guy. <laughs> I did, yeah. Jimmy Lowe. I know. I Jimmy Lowe. I know. <laughs> trouble. You're trouble. Trouble. Yeah. I wonder if that bigger boy is listening now. I'm going, I'll fucking kill Trent Krim. I knew he was that guy. <laughs> uh, there's a tr- uh, troubling boners, worrying wide-ons, the subcategory. Troubling boners, worrying wide-ons, a film you found arousing, you weren't sure that you should. Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> Go on. So as far as I know, as far as I'm aware, I'm not a gay man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I went to see Brokeback Mountain and... By the time those two cowboys got it on in that tent, I was mm. I was there with them. I was one hundred percent there with them, and, and I, I mean, I was yeah. I, there was three of us in that tent, and I found it I found it so sexy that I was like, "Jeez, mm. like, what, let me think about am am I a cowboy? <laughs> you know, and am, am I gay? I don't think I am. Mm. I don't think so." Jeez, those guys, they just would, they, <laughs> they were just really sort of, they kind of like really sexy. And, um, but it was something about, you know, it was a shock. It was genuinely a shock. Mm. I was really, that was at the cinema. And I, you know, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a shocker for me, that one. I, I think it was, uh, well, I know who, uh, it was, it was Heath. I was all about Heath. Heath was your guy. He yeah. was the guy. Something about you that, were team Heath. I was team Heath. There was something about Ennis. I think his name's Ennis. And 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 just mm. he was so he was so painfully repressed that you just wanted to give him a big hug or you know a little yeah. more. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's another vulnerable boy. You, you like the vulnerable tough guys. I think I, I, this is what's coming out, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Interesting. What's um, objectively? The greatest film of all time. Objectively. Might not be your favourite, but it's the greatest. This is such a tough question. And I've had to land on something. So I am going to say, it's a wonderful life. You can have it. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. You know, for for everything, everything, everything it it says, the way it's put together, Jimmy Stewart, the the whole, that, that character, Clarence, is it Clarence Oldbody? The, the 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 second angel, the second class angel. Oh yeah, Clarence. Yeah, I just love that character. Yeah, it's up there with like Christmas Carol in terms of message. You know what I mean? It, there's sort of no better message in a film probably than that film. I think so. I do think so. And the idea yeah. of you know when he's go, when he's going to commit suicide, when he's going to jump off that bridge, 
the genius move of Clarence jumping in the water so that Jimmy Stewart just dives in because he knew he'd save him. Mm. I just love that. And, you know, I yeah. it's such a great move. And, and I loved how um, open he was about being an angel afterwards. I just thought that was just brilliant. Mm. Yeah, I, lo- I do love that movie. Okay, you can have it. What is the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? I think it's the Blues Brothers. Nice. Mm. It <clears throat> that film I saw. Sort of, yeah, like that cast. What it's the most mm. incredible cast. You know, you've got James Brown, Aretha Franklin, John Lee Hooker. You've got Twiggy in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Who else is there? John Candy. Harry Fisher. Carrie Princess Le- John Candy. You know, Belushi and I, I, Cab Calloway. It just goes on. And um, it's sort of, I think, on paper, you sort of think, that film, that can't really work, can it? It's just kind of a series of gigs. But um, yeah, I think it's so funny. And <clears throat> there's one bit of um, business in it that, that I, one of my favourite... I think it's when I realised that, like, you can do something physically with, without words that is will end up often being my favourite moment. So there's a bit at the beginning of that film when um, Belushi gets in, in that cop car with Aykroyd and he's upset that he's being picked up in a, in a cop car and he lights his cigarette with the car lighter and he just lights his cigarette and he just lobs it out the window. <laughs> and he does it in such a nonchalant way. And I thought, what a brilliant choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's great that film it's so fun it's really fun mm. great you can have it Maureen what's this I hear about you going to film school I am I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity so I'm attending the New York Film Academy I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board NIFA is a very respected film school I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right. They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. Hello, my neighbour Maureen. What's this I hear about you getting a promotion at the office? Didn't you just get promoted last month? It's all thanks to Canva. I've been nailing every meeting with AI-powered Canva presentations. Isn't that Canva's AI slide generator where you just describe your presentation in a few words and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds? That's right. And to top it off, I use MagicWrite, Canva's AI text generator, to perfect my points. Sounds brilliant, Maureen. No more copying and pasting from other programs. No more app switching. Can Canva Docs with MagicWrite generate any text you want for work? Yes. Sales proposals, marketing plans, yeah. Meeting agendas, ratings of all 12 Muppet movies using the extensive point system that I developed at age 12. Anyone can save time with Canva's AI-powered tools. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com, designed for work. Oh, thanks, my name, Maureen. Yeah, thank you. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. 
Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We don't like to be negative, you and me, so let's not dwell in this bit. But what's the worst film you've ever seen? Right. Well, I'm going to say The Phantom Thread. Wow. Whoa. Hold on. Why? I went to see The Phantom Thread at the cinema and I hated it. It was not... Wow. It was not, it was not the final Day-Lewis performance I wanted. It wasn't the character I wanted him to play. It wasn't the subject matter I wanted to see. I found it boring. I just... Mm. Soggy. I really, really hated that film. And I came out going, what on earth was that? Honest. And then... But then... Later, I revisited it and realised that it is an absolute masterpiece and it is genuinely in my t- top three films. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God you nearly lost, you nearly lost me and I was, genuinely, I was sitting here thinking, this might be one of the best episodes. I was about to burn it, <laughs> about to delete the file. <laughs> you, you know, I have a funny thing with um, the genius of, that is Paul Thomas Anderson. I went to see Inherent Vice... Uh, on 35 mil mm-hmm. at the Curzon Soho. And that, the first time I'd seen it, and that was not what I wanted. To, I did, that was not the film I wanted yeah. it to be. And again, I was really, well, that was beforehand. So I was really upset about it. And I was like, that is like some, like the big Lebowski on Mogadon or something, some dodgy, I just hated it. And then I, and then I got into it again through listening to the Johnny Greenwood soundtrack and thinking, God, actually though, the music's good, isn't it? And then I watched it again. And realise yeah. that it's an absolute masterpiece. And that, and that it is hilarious. And I have no idea yeah. how, how completely genius um, Joaquin uh, Phoenix is in that film and how, just how funny and bizarre his choices are. They're amazing. Mm, really great, isn't it? He's incredible, isn't he? That's it? got great physical comedy in it. The, 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 like the he best. amazing physical comedy. The way he falls over is amazing in that film. Absolutely. He does this one walk past the, in the back of the shop, like really slowly at one point for no yeah. reason when he's creeping about in the house. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It reminds me a little yeah. bit of, um, who's that amazing actor? Uh, James Mason in Lolita. James Mason. James Mason, yeah. <laughs> Should we both do the rest of this chat? Like, yeah. James Mason. Um, and, James Mason. And he does these... <laughs> he does these really strange... I can't say it. I sound like Prince Charles. Um, but he does these really bizarre choices that are a bit... that are really funny and quirky and weird. A bit like Whacking Phoenix mm. in that film. So... Yeah, it was in it, Phantom Thread, but I just have to uh, reiterate that I watch that film lots now. If, I love that film. Yeah, so good. So good. I also think what's interesting is you're saying this about Paul Thomas Anderson. I think it's maybe, if you're saying this wasn't the film I thought it was going to be, it's because his films are so original and so hard to pin down. Yeah. And they're not, all of them are like, not quite what you might think they are as a genre or, you know, like, yeah. they all go in, odd directions they're all very singular and so I guess if you're like oh it's this kind of film and then it isn't yeah maybe that throws you the first time like yeah none of them kind of follow a template of is this sort of film yeah not at all they're in their own realm aren't they and there's something there's always something sort of unfathomable about them and mysterious that but then I think that irritates I now know not to trust myself sometimes things that I have a, a, a real aversion to initially are often things that I end up absolutely mm. adoring. Yeah. And it, if it's affected you that strongly, something's going on. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the same, but I always think about when I first saw Moulin Rouge, I was very jet-lagged and I saw it in New York. Right. When it just come out and I fucking hated it. Hated it. I was like, this is so, oh, it's exhausting. It's like so much. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And then I dreamt about it. I kept having dreams about it. It was in my dreams for like three nights. And then I was like, <laughs> I think I have to see Moulin Rouge again. And I fucking loved it. I was like, this is must be the Really? But it like haunted my dreams. And I'd left it thinking I hate it. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I've, I've, yeah. I think Baz Luhrmann's films can do that a little bit, can't they? Because when I went to see Elvis, yeah. I came out feeling like I'd been elvis <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you really have. I, I felt like I was just full of burger and quaaludes. 
and I and I didn't I didn't feel great after that film. I really felt quite ill, mm. even though I was ador- adoring uh, Austin Butler's performance. It just Elvis yeah. me. <laughs> I'm James Mason. I've been Elvis. Uh, <laughs> I want to watch Police Academy <laughs> again, please, Mahoney, with Father. Make it better. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind it tell, later. Tell pa- Paul Thomas and Anderson to wait outside. <laughs> I'll have to be seeing him twice before I like him. What is... You're in comedy. You're very funny. What's the film that made you laugh the most? Yeah, such a hard one. Um, okay, cinema experience, best in show. Great. Great. Why not? Christopher Guest, when he's running through that list of nuts... <laughs> Pine nut, macadamia nut, <laughs> walnut, you know. Oh my God, he's next level. I watched it again recently and he is just next level funny. And then, but the thing is, and it happened to me again, I, I watched, I showed it to my wife recently. She hadn't seen it. I said, like, You've got to see this film. But when I first saw it, I saw it in, in a cinema in Brighton and I was hysterical. And it happened to me again. By the time Fred Willard comes on, oh my Lord, he is just joy in that film, isn't he? Yeah, he is really in the zone (laughs) in that film. He is off the chain. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but 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 I don't know, it's like, it's quite interesting that a character can come in so late in a movie and just sort of blow the lid off something that was already utterly brilliant and hilarious and and he do it yes. and seemingly do it with such a light touch <laughs> that's so true <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking he's fucking funny too good have you ever met him have you no god he's good isn't he isn't he no longer with us oh please tell me fred willard is not i'm so sorry and if he maybe is maybe no i'm gonna say fred willard's definitely still alive yeah yeah I think he, <laughs> don't, uh, don't tell. No, he did, I'm, I don't want to be the person to tell you. So, will it, he's not, is he? He's. Uh, is he? I'm so sorry. Are you yeah. serious? I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't want to. Be, I won't tell you that. Fred Willard. Maybe listen. It doesn't matter because in your head he lives. He lives. He lives on he, in all our hearts. He's with princes. He's with the princes. He's with me now. Okay, he's I'm with so me sorry. now. Okay, I'm up there with Fred Willard and the princes. Yeah. Oh man, okay. I didn't know that. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, shit. This is heavy, man. Right right near the end. Jimmy Lance, you've been phenomenal. One of my favourite guests. This has been beautiful and I really appreciate it. However, when you were 101 years old, a year after you'd got a card from our new king, William, not Charles, because you'd killed him, Mm. uh, you went to Glastonbury, you told all your friends, put money on me dying today. They all did. Then he deleted the text so that there was no insider trading, no fraud could be detected. You always said to everyone, make sure this message is not on your phone and we never discuss this again. Meet me at Glastonbury. They all meet you at Glastonbury and you go, did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? And they go, yeah. And you say, stop talking about it. We need no witnesses. And you go, okay. Anyway, Sly and Family Stone around. So you watch your favourite bands. There's Nick Kay. Oh, the great Nick Kay's there. <laughs> and uh, you're having a lovely time. And you say, oh, great. And you all go... And to a stone circle, and you you have a you have a nice time together, and then you you kiss everyone, <laughs> having made love by the way in the morning for one minute and then made a full English <laughs> too, and then you uh, we dancing on because that's the only way you can be aroused, <laughs> and then you go you go to the top of hill, you have a cup of tea and a flapjack, and then you cook some heroin up on a spoon, <laughs> and you inject it you inject it into your veins, and you OD and you nod off. And you die. <laughs> and I've been at the festival. You know, I'm like a fucking love glass. <laughs> I'm always there. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, ooh, ooh. And I see uh, your lovely wife. And I say, oh, where's um, Jimmy? And she, she goes, oh, he's just uh, banging a load of smack up that hill. And I go, oh, cool. I'll, I'll go have a look. And I go up there and I'm like, oh, fuck. He's nodded off this guy. Oh, no. <laughs> You are a bloated mess, that flapjack. The carbs, and the, the, the combination of carbs and smack have just bloated you up. And I go, bloody hell. And I, 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 see, your, I, I see your wife. I go, have you got any, did you bring like a picnic hamper? She goes, yeah. So you got any knives in there? She goes, yeah. So come on in. We start chopping you up because there's too much of you, right? Chopping you up, chopping you up, chopping you up, chopping you up. 
pile you into the coffin I've got with me because you know what I'm like. And the coffin is absolutely rammed because of all the smack and carbs you were having. It is jam-packed in this <laughs> coffin. It's fucking full. There's only enough room, really, for me to slide one DVD into the side for you to take across to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. What film are you taking to show The Princes and Fred Willard in heaven when it's your movie night, Mr. Jimmy Lance? <sighs> Rocky too. <laughs> He's vulnerable, he's hard, he's beautiful. He's back. That's Jimmy Lance. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> he's back again. Jimmy, tell people what they should listen to or look out for or watch in the coming months or years that you may be a part of. I'm not sure yet. I've just, I've just landed a job, okay. but I haven't done a deal on it yet, so <gasps> I guess I can't talk about Ooh. it, but it's going to be good. Okay. But look out, I'll be Great. in something somewhere at some point, I'm sure. Well, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> yeah, you won't miss him. His hair, listen, his hair's growing forward. Yeah. You won't miss him. At some point, he'll just be hair, hair eyebrows. Yeah, that's it. I love you. Thank you for doing this. I hope you have a wonderful death. It was lovely seeing you. It's been... <laughs> I'll see you soon. Thanks, man. It's been great. You've made me realise how much I love movies as well, which is great. You do love movies. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Thank you, man. See you soon. Cheers, brother. Good night. Goodbye. Bye. So that was episode 250. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat, secrets and video with James. Remember to watch Ted Lasso and Shrinking over at Apple TV+. Plus. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a lovely thing to read. My neighbour Maureen loves it. It's very kind of you to do it. Thank you all for listening. I very much hope you're all well. Thank you so much to Jimmy for being so open, for giving me his time. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to iHeartMedia and Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week for another smasher of a guest. Thank you all for listening. So that is it for now. Have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. friends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.